Welcome to the Access Church Podcast. Grab out your note sheet and let's jump right into today's sermon. Hey, um, before we get going here, we're going to be continuing our series on Up Close and Personal with Jesus, a season for us as a church with everything going on to say, what if we just focused on Jesus during this time and uh, the benefit of that? And so uh, the book of John is written by one of Jesus' best friends. And so it's called a gospel. If you grew up in the church, it's really just a biography. And so uh, the purpose that he says, he, he, he lays his cards out. He's saying, I'm writing this so that you believe in Jesus as the son of God and the, and, and the main way to have life here and eternal life. So he's like, I'm just going to lay my cards out. Every story you read about Jesus has a purpose to it to help you to have a good life and eternal life. And he's going to define that. And so we're, we're in John chapter five. So if you want to go on your app, get that. Um, or if you brought your Bible with you, John five, we're going to be looking at that before we jump into that though. I just want to kind of announce a few things we got going on. One is, uh, we're in a, a season called the, uh, Christmas kindness season. And so we're giving you guys opportunities to, as you're buying gifts for people around you, your family, things like that, to remember that this is a great opportunity in your generosity to be generous, uh, about things that matter beyond our family or matter beyond gifts. And so a few ways we're doing that is one is, Uh, And again, all this is on our website and it's on the app as far as what we're doing for events. There's going to be a couple families in our church that we want to make sure that they have a great uh, Christmas and so that they, their kids are taken care of, they're taken care of. And so we're putting together some Christmas baskets and we're asking you to get gift cards and we've listed out those gift cards on the website. And so just don't forget about that. Um, And it's also, I want to remind you parents, this is a great opportunity as far as take your kids with you. Uh, I did this when my kids were smaller. We would go to the store and we'd tell them we're going to buy gift cards for people. Like, let them know what you're doing. And so uh, the gift card collection is going to be on that table by the blankets. We have a uh, a basket over there. And so that's only over the next few weeks. There is a due date on that. So those of us that are procrastinators um, and uh, you have a few more weeks. Uh, but uh, let's begin to fill that up. And Laura Lee is going to put together the baskets. And then we're, we're going to let you know. Uh, we're going to surprise the families and we'll surprise you with who we're going to give that to. And just make sure that Christmas is enjoyable uh, for them. So we're buying gift cards. Uh, the other thing is that we have the Melanoma Awareness uh, Walkathon. Now that's happening in um, North County, but we're going to do our own here. And uh, and so you can sign up online. Again, you can go to our website, uh, sign up, supporting um, the ministry. I call it a ministry that Eric Martin started and that continues through him and Uh, and so, uh, we're going to be doing that together and, uh, that'll be in a few weeks. And so, uh, we'll be having lunch after church going on the walkathon and just kind of hanging out together. And so, uh, that's an opportunity for you. You can sign up for that, sign your family up for that online. And so, uh, the third thing that we're going to put on our website this week and Katrina, you let me know about this is we have a, a local church that is, is the church they're helping. I'm forgetting off the top of my head. Is it in the Philippines? Uh, and they got hit hard by a typhoon, right? This church pretty much got wiped out. And so um, so we want to help as far as they have a special fund that's going to help rebuild, literally rebuild this church. And just so you know, in most of the world, like when a church is destroyed, they don't have insurance like we have. <laughs> or we can, like our, our trailer got stolen. We had insurance. We bought all new stuff. Uh, they don't. They start from nothing. And so we're going to be throwing that up as far as the Christmas kindness. Uh, one of the things we could do is help rebuild a church. So you have lots of opportunities to kind of financially give, be praying, and we're going to put all that up on our website and on events 
And Angela, I'll let you know about uh, that as far as the links for that. So a uh, lot of opportunities just to really bless people during this season. So we just want to let you know, participate, jump into that, pray about where God, all three of those things to join or one or two of those and uh, a, a great time for us just to, to be giving and serving and helping other people. So last thing I want to let you know about before we jump into this is uh, the next month is going to be really exciting. And what I want to do is I, I didn't tell him I was going to do this, but I want to invite uh, the elders up. So um, Justin, Jose, is Jose around? Yep. Uh, Jose and Ephraim. These are our elders. Why don't you guys come on up? You guys can give them a hand. It's always good. So it's always a bad sign when you invite your elders up and nobody claps. Like, oh, things aren't things aren't going that well, I guess. Um, so I want you guys praying for them because over the next month, uh, they're all going to be uh, preaching through John. And so uh, you're going to hear some. Yeah, you're happy not to hear me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, right. So I'm super excited because um, be praying for these guys. These guys are big influences on me. I love their their work ethic. Uh, I love their humility, the way we work together, discussing tough things, good things. Um, just so you know, I know all of us, we come here, we're tired, we're working, you're doing all these things. These guys are doing the same things you're doing. And on top of that, um, they carry the burden of the church for us when there's problems, when there's issues. Uh, they put time into the trailer. They're planning a day to go work on the trailer. So while you're out shopping, doing things, hanging out, they're doing ministry stuff. Um, once a month, we have elder meetings that um, go hours and hours and stuff, And but they love it. There's never a sense of where they feel like, ugh, like they love doing this. So they serve you a lot behind the scenes. They lead you a lot in ways that um, I'm, I kind of get sometimes the credit for things that these guys are doing. So they're great to work with. And I'm looking forward to seeing how God's going to um, just use them to encourage you, to serve you uh, as, they, as they preach through uh, John. So what I want to do is start off this morning, first of all, just recognizing these guys, and I hope that you thank them, and I hope uh, that you'll be praying for them, and that your hearts will be ready to just to receive as God um, speaks through them. So this is a little bit of, a, of an announcement, but also an appreciation of just how much I love you guys. Appreciate I told you this at the elder meeting, what you guys mean to me, and how you guys inspire me, and I, I hope that these are guys that you guys, them and their families, you can really look to. Like, don't just hear from them, but look how they live their lives. Um, and uh, I just want to pray for you guys this morning, and then I want you to join me as a church praying for them. And, um, and we'll go from there. So Jesus, thank you for these three men that, um, they bring me such great stability. Um, they ground me. They definitely keep me humble. Um, but they also encourage me. And, um, I'm just thankful whenever we get together, it's an enjoyable thing. And I thank you for their gifts. I thank you for each one of them. Um, the roles that they play Lord and, um, the gifts that you've given them to really build our church. Like many of us don't know just how behind the scenes they, they give so much because they want to see each person here succeed. They want to see each person here really grow in their faith and they really care about the people of the church. So God, I pray you anoint them. I pray that there would be no nervousness. They wouldn't care about impressing us at all, but they would come with the power of the word of God. I pray that you would transform them as much as they want to transform us, that, that as they read the word, that their hearts and minds would really be transformed and they'd be preaching out of this just kind of overwhelming sense of, I'm so excited about what God's doing. And so, Lord, we just pray that you would anoint them. We pray that you would bless them. And God, I pray that you would use them to continue to encourage us as a church, to strengthen us as a church, and to lead us to where you want us to go. Praise in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you joining. Yeah. We're, we're really blessed. Um, this last week, someone, uh, I had a, a friend of mine email me. He's kind of a mentor a little further down the road. And he just quick emailed, like, how you doing? And during the season when most people are like, 
lots of things to complain about. It was really encouraging where I'm like, I'm really doing well. Like I, they're like, how's the church going? I'm like, I don't know, but I just enjoy, like I enjoy the church, the people. We just started a, a Bible study through Philippians. I enjoy showing up. Like I can't wait to see and discuss things. And those of you that are involved in that Bible study, man, the first two weeks have just been incredible and super encouraging. And I enjoyed connection groups when we were meeting. Like I looked forward to it. I look forward to Sunday mornings and just it's enjoyable. And so thank you for making being a leader here and having the opportunity to work here uh, a really enjoyable thing. Um, John 5, uh, we're going to look and it's going to be an extension of last week, kind of what we talked about last week and what Jesus is doing. And so it's kind of the, the, the same. Uh, it's really an afterflow of his interactions last week as he healed a man. You remember last week he healed a man and uh, Jesus got grief for healing a man because he did it on the wrong day. You can heal Monday uh, or you can heal uh, right Saturday night through uh, Thursday night, but not on Friday, which was their, their Sabbath, right? You know, don't, don't heal on the Sabbath. And so Jesus got grief for doing good things. And so we're going to talk about now the interaction. He heals this dude. And uh, we're going to look at how Jesus kind of responds to that. But, um, you know, as I was thinking about this talk and what the purpose is going to be today, uh, we are a people that we are inundated with other people's opinions. We're inundated with other people's opinions, right? That's why there's advertising. Uh, they pay a lot of money to have a voice of what we need, uh, what's going to satisfy us. Um, and it's amazing because if you think about it, you're constantly inundated with advertisement, right? From billboards to anything online. If uh, you're on any kind of an app, they have, uh, uh, you know, advertisement, all these things. Uh, I remember reading about uh, Facebook where uh, they started, I think it was in 2010, the, the like button, the thumbs up. That, that, if you remember, that wasn't around when Facebook first started. But they did that because it helps with advertising because they know what you like. And then they put, it's very purposeful, just so you know. <laughs> um, and so then they know what advertisements because what you're liking, it's all very interconnected, right? To have a voice. And if you're not purposeful, um, you can let the wrong voices kind of have influence. As we get up close and personal with Jesus, one of the things I want to look at as far as how was Jesus so successful as far as staying focused and on purpose with what his objective is. Cause I don't know if you know this, but Jesus had a lot of people trying to speak into his life of who he should be, what he should do, what he should say. That's constantly happening. And Jesus stayed very focused to accomplish the mission that, that God has for him. And so Jesus does this healing and they get into a debate. People are trying to have a voice. They're trying to have an opinion saying you can't heal on this day. This is not right. And so Jesus gets into this discussion with these Christian leaders called, uh, or not Christian leaders, but the Jewish leaders called the, the Pharisees. And we're going to pick up in John chapter 5, verse 39, where Jesus responds to them. He exposes them. And I want you to notice what he says to them, because I think it's pertinent for us today. Jesus says this. He says, you Jewish leaders who are frustrated with me who think this is not what I should be doing and trying to speak into my life as far as what I should be doing, what I should be saying, how I should be acting as a religious person. He says this, you examine the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is those very scriptures that testify about me. 
So what he's saying is, listen, you guys read the Bible, but you miss the point of the Bible. I don't know if you ever met people like that. All you got to do is go to Bible school and you'll meet people like that. <laughs> like everybody thinks you go to Bible school to get closer to Jesus. Any of us that have been to Bible school, it's amazing how it almost ruins people in their faith, right? <laughs> because what happens is just reading the Bible is the ultimate purpose rather than getting Jesus out of the Bible. And so you have these guys that they think they're super close to God because they read the Bible, but he goes, you miss, you're missing the point of the Bible. And he says, so the very scriptures testify about me. And he says in verse 40, and yet you are, you are unwilling to come to me so that you may have life. Now check that. This is the kind of main part, main premise today. I do not receive glory from people. You remember in John 2 when I said that Jesus did a miracle, but it says uh, he did not entrust himself to people. You remember that? What does it mean to entrust yourself to, to someone? It's where you really seek them giving you glory. Now, what does that word glory mean? Because it's kind of a religious word, right? Like if you, you know, we hear it in worship songs and, and things like that. Um, glory means this. If you want to write this down or just make a note of this, whenever you read glory, it means this, to have an opinion that determines value. When we give glory to God, we have an opinion that determines value. That's, that's the Greek underlying meaning of this. So we give glory to God. It means when we sing these songs, we're giving glory to God. It means we have an opinion. We're aligning with that song, giving value to God, that he's above all else, that he's amazing, he's loving, he's generous, right? We're, that, that's all it means to glorify. And what Jesus is saying here is, listen, I live my life not to receive glory from people. I could care less. They don't determine my value. And th this is hard for us because as we grow up as kids, what's hard is we actually get value from the family we grew up in. And that's why those of us that grew up in dysfunctional homes, I won't have you raise your hands, but I see your faces already, right? Those of us, what happens is dysfunctional home is where your parents don't give you any value. In fact, they devalue you, right? There can be abuse. There can be neglect. There can be all these different variables, right? So parents, our goal is to make sure that we give proper um, value as far as just they understand their worth. And here's the goal is, that as they get older then, that then they find their value in Christ. So you must place proper value on your kids. And so what some of us do as parents is we misvalue them as far as their value is in their education. So if you, so, and, and here's how you know how you value your kids. It's by what you get excited and what you get angry about. That's where they find their value. So if they forgive someone and you're like, well, good, that's what you should do. But if they get a 4.0, you take them out and they get, a, you know, they get a meal. You're, I'm going to give you a car when you're 16. Keep getting that 4.0. Their value is in the grades. But if they forgive someone who wronged them, do we give them, do we buy them a car? No. So what that shows is walking with Christ, there's little value. My value is in what I do. I, I'm just giving you an illustration. <laughs> I'm not pointing anyone out if you did that, right? So. The value, what he's saying, Jesus is saying is, listen, when I don't entrust myself to people, I don't let other people give me value as far as uh, deeming me and what my value is or what my worth is or what even my direction is. So I do not receive glory from people, but I know you, that you do not have the love of God in yourselves. I have come in my father's name and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. How can you believe when you accept glory? There's that word again. How can you believe in God when you accept glory from one another and do not seek glory 
that is from the one and only God. What helped Jesus stay focused is to remove himself from the clamor of other people trying to decide what his value is and what his purpose was. And what keeps us from believing in God is where we live a life where other people's opinions and their value and what they feel like what we should be focusing on, that their voices are higher than God's voices. That's why this season is really important for us as a church. And, and I know I keep hammering the same point, but advertisement or things going on around us are clamoring for where we find value and worth, right? Whoever's president, that's where our greatest hope or value is, where they identify as a Republican or a Democrat, right? I find great value in that. Um, or it could be in you know other things. And what that does is then it keeps us from a, a love and a pursuit of God. You see, the Pharisees, their, their problem was that they couldn't see God because they desired so much to be seen by people. What other people thought of them, what other people wanted them to do, what other people wanted them to focus on. Jesus' focus was serving people, um, but as he served them, his purpose came from as God wanted him to serve them, not how they wanted him to serve him. So though I serve people, I don't allow people to dictate how I serve them. You'll see this over and over in the scriptures where there's times where people are like, um, stay with us and do this. Or uh, we want to hear this from you. And he wouldn't. He would say, nope, I've done what my father wants me to do. That's enough. I'm good. You don't define where I go, what I do, or how I prioritize things. We see this as far as how Jesus did this in the verses just before this. In John 5, 19 and 30, Jesus talks about how he maintains this focus as far as making sure that his glory comes from God, not from people. Check this out. In John 5, 19, Jesus says, Therefore, truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself unless it is something he sees. If you, That word there, circle or underline. Unless it is something that he sees the Father's doing. For whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does in the same way. So one of the things that Jesus stayed focused on is by looking at the Father. One of the ways we stay focused as far as by not just hearing God, but looking at him. That's why we're going through John, looking at how did Jesus prioritize life? Well, how did he treat people? Don't just hear him. Look at what he did. How does he act? How does he speak? How does he do relationships? So one of the ways we make sure that we we're receiving glory from God and not from people is that primarily who are we looking at? Who's our influence? Are we picking up on the, the habits of what they're doing? And then just a few verses after that, in verse 30, not only is he looking at the Father and getting his kind of cues from that, but he says this in verse 30, I can do nothing on my own, which is crazy. Jesus could do nothing on his own. Every day was dependent as far as what God wanted him to do rather than him planning out his own day. I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge. And that word judgment just means to make decisions. As I hear, I make decisions. As I listen to God, I make decisions. My judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. There are a lot of voices 
They're going to try to prioritize things for us. These could be voices close to us, voices far away, whatever it is. And what happens is we kind of just easily, I don't know if you find, you can kind of lose focus on life. Where other people are planning out your days, their expectations, they're, they're planning out what your desires should be or where your heart's at. And where Jesus maintained an incredible focus is by saying, listen, I only seek the glory of God. His opinion about me. Think about how our day was changed. Just think about this this week. Think about if every day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, every morning you woke up, your first thought was not on the expectations of other people or even your own expectations. What if you just woke up saying, today, God, I only want to do what I've seen you do and I only want to uh, do what I hear from you. That, that was it. Whatever you, whatever I hear from you, whatever I've seen from you, I'm just going to plan out my day that way. Think about how that would change our days. It would change our confidence as far as when people try to speak in to our lives as far as where we should prioritize or where our value is. It's constantly happening. I was very aware of this when I was driving with my daughter and I never noticed these kind of commercials, but we were listening to, um, as all godly people do, we were listening to country music, which is another form of worship. And no, I'm just kidding. But we were listening to country music and uh, we're in the car and this commercial came on for, um, uh, what do you call it? We change your body. Surgery, plastic surgery, right? Butt lift, breast augmentation, all this kind of stuff. And here's what was interesting. My heart broke because my daughter was next to me. And I was very aware of the advertisement saying your value is literally in changing the size of your chest or your butt, or I don't know if you know this, the number two surgery is nose. A nose, isn't a nose just for sniffing? I mean, just all I need to do is smell the food. That's it, right? Think about that. So I looked it up. 17 billion a year in America spent on changing our bodies. Why? Because the voice that's saying, you're not gonna be accepted, you're not gonna like yourself, you're not gonna have a fulfilled life. These voices that my value is in my nose, which if that's true, I'm totally screwed, right? I got a huge nose. But I've never been in a counseling session where, hey, what's the problem with this marriage? And they're desperate and they're like, this, that, well, and someone brought up, well, it's just the size of their nose. If their nose was different, this marriage would be awesome. Never had that happen. I'm very aware it can start at a young age. Your value is you need to go to college and get an incredible amount of debt so you're enslaved the rest of your life to go work a job because you got to find that right job because that job is your value. Your purpose is to make as much money and then retire well. Well, that's completely opposite of the gospel. Completely opposite of the gospel. So I just want you to know that these voices are constantly happening. What if we just heard God's voice alone and he was the the one that we directly looked at in our lives. How much would that change our lives? How much would that keep a focus for us? Two questions I want us to ponder here. When we look at this story of Jesus, the first one is this. Do I seek God's opinions or other people's opinions about my worth and purpose? You see, one of the things we notice about Jesus, as, we, as you'll read through John, is that our people constantly trying to pull him away from the purpose of God, constantly trying to pull him, his time, his effort, trying to constantly get him to say, don't say that. You shouldn't say that. 
That's not very, you know, what Christian leaders or uh, religious leaders should be saying. And so trying to, to, to edit what he says, you're going to see this later on a few chapters uh, where he says, hey, if you want to follow me, you need to eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. And people are like, whoa, 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 whoa. Easy, dude. And in fact, that uh, a lot of people left him. Jesus was willing to lose disciples, lose friendships, because his focus on what God wanted him to say and what God wanted him to be, not what other people's expectations were. Do I parent off other people's expectations? I remember when um, just even things like retirement. I remember years ago, this was a long time ago, um, we were double income, no kids. We actually had money in the bank. It was amazing. Those of you that have small kids right now, you're like, we're poor. You should be poor. That's what kids do, right? They suck away your looks and your money. Ha, ah, man. We're double income, no kids. And uh, so we had, we had good money in the, in, in the bank. And I remember there's a sizable amount of money that I was trying to figure out what to do with some investments and things like that. And as I was praying, I felt like the Lord was saying, you need to give that chunk to the church. Um, and it was at a time where the church that we're at was expanding and I was already giving regularly. So I, you know, I felt like, no, I give regularly. I don't have any guilt. Right. I don't. And, uh, this is a Christian person and they just said like, you need to think through your retirement. You make sure that you're set, you know, all this kind of stuff. And, and even things like that, like at what point do I set up my retirement so much that I don't have to trust God at all? The whole goal, right, is to set up enough money so then you don't have to, you don't have to trust them at all. Everything's set. And I'm not against retirement. I, I have. I work on that. But at what point does it stop where it's like, but what about beyond retirement for eternity? What if I can help here? What if I can help a church rebuild in the Philippines, right? What if I can uh, encourage someone there? What if I could be, what if my eternal investments are more important maybe than just my ones here? And so... Even things like that, and as I prayed about it, talked to Christine about it, I gave the money, is a huge amount of money, gave it to the church. There's always going to be voices, even good things, that say, no, 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 you got to protect yourself. And it's like, wait, but is that what God's calling us to do? Is there any verse in the Bible where, God, where Jesus says, you know, listen, trust me, but when it comes to retirement, you better make sure you're set because I might screw you over, right? Is there any, you know, where it's like, I'm going to abandon you. You're going to be, I mean, do we balance this out with what we think other voices are saying? I'm just going to kind of give you a perspective that as far as, as I think about it, do I seek God's opinions on my worth and purpose or how much am I letting other voices, even if they're good voices, where it can begin to move me? The second question is this to ponder. Is my life directed by what I see God doing and saying? How much does God's voice matter in your life? How much are you getting that in? How much are you observing when you read the book of John, as we're all going, we're reading John, how much are you observing Jesus in the way he acts, the way he interacts, the way he loves people, the way he serves people? And are we bringing that into our lives? When you see him love someone who's, uh, you, know, as, you know, again, poor or other, remember last week we talked about people that are overlooked, that as people are overlooked, he would go and love. Are there people that are overlooked in your life, in your circle, that Jesus is saying, hey, I want you to love them as other people. They overlook them, but I want you to love them. Which means this, in our busy schedules, does God have authority over our schedules? Of like, hey, slow down here. Hey, speak these words here. 
hey, bring this into there. Do you think that God maybe wants to direct you daily as Jesus said, I don't do anything but what the Father tells me to do or what I see him doing? This is the focus and this is the success of Jesus' the ability of the outside clamor to kind of stay focused as far as the main voice I want to hear and the main vision I want to have as far as who I am is from the Father. And as he looked at the Father, we looked at Jesus. That's the goal of John. I think some of us, when our emotions get out of control, our lives get out of control, this is what's happened. We either listen to the inner voice, you know that inner voice in you? <laughs> we either listen to the inner voice or these other voices and it causes anxiety and angst in us and the voice of God becomes diminished. And I think this is a time period, even this year, it's a good time period to say, what's the main voice in our life? What's the main voice that sets your worth, that sets your value, that sets your purpose, that sets your agenda for the day. Some of you guys may have heard this man. His name is Henry Nguyen. Henry Nguyen is a, uh, he's passed away now, but he was a man in the 70s and 80s that was incredibly popular because he was brilliant. Henry Nguyen uh, wrote all kinds of papers and books about God. And he did it in a way that was incredibly brilliant and incredibly clarifying. If you want to look up his name, it's Henry with an I, not a Y. Newen is N-O-U-W-E-N. This is what blew me about Henry Newen because I, I found out about him in the late 90s. This brilliant man, and he would speak at Oxford. He'd travel the world, and people would fly, and they'd pay him an amazing amount of money because when you're super talented, people are going to pay you money, right? So he's incredibly talented and got paid a lot of money. And everyone says, you're living the ultimate Christian life. Look how much influence you have. You travel the world. You write books. You're brilliant. Like everybody wants to be you. And he quit. He quit to go live in a community in Canada of all places. He went to Canada. Come on. Is that really godly to move from America? God's nation, right? To Canada. He got a lot of flack for it because he says, I'm not on the speaking tours anymore. I'm going to work in a place that's out of the limelight. There is no news. And I'm going to work with people that are incredibly handicapped physically and emotionally so much that he worked and whatever he did, he, he, he worked with um, these, these kids and these adults that they wouldn't even recognize anything that he did for them. He wrote a book about it. I forget the exact name, but he wrote a book about um, taking care of this one person who no matter what he did for them, he wouldn't even recognize them the next day. He had to reintroduce himself to him. He was so incredibly mentally and physically handicapped. And people said, why would you do that? All that brilliance gone, right? All that talent gone, all the money he was rich, and now you're living in Canada, making no money, taking care of someone, dressing someone, bathing someone that doesn't even recognize who you are. If they only knew, that's Henry Nguyen, but these people, they could care less who he was. He was just some dude feeding, clothing, and they wouldn't even remember him. Why would you do that? And this is what Henry Nguyen said, and what he wrote about, is he said, because this, this is who Jesus was. Jesus wasn't on a lecture tour. Jesus wasn't flying around in jets. Jesus was not seeking the acclaim of what other people felt like success was. What Henry Nguyen realizes, a life like Christ is what success is, not the American or whatever other nations say this is the life. And here's what's interesting when you trust God. 
it looked like that Henry Nguyen would go and nobody would hear about him. Like no one would hear about him. And here's what's crazy is God knows. And his popularity actually grew because as he wrote about his experiences there, that's where in the Christian community and in the world, he got more influence by going and taking care of these people than he did when he was lecturing and, and traveling around. He actually had more influence by getting away from the spotlight and the limelight, right? Which is counterintuitive. People are saying, no, you need to stay in the spotlight, in the limelight. You need to write more. You need to travel more. And by just trusting God saying, but I'm becoming less Christ-like as I do that. And isn't the goal of life is to become like Christ. And as he looked at Jesus, and as he listened to Jesus, he wasn't living the life of Jesus. I want to encourage you with this is we can read the Bible. We can go through John and still miss Jesus. We can read the Bible and still seek the glory and the acclamation of others. Today, what I want us to realize is don't miss the purpose of reading the Bible and that's seeing Jesus, listening to Jesus and letting him practically set the agenda for your day. Tomorrow, can you function? Can you literally function unless you hear from God and see God? Most of us say, yeah, I can function pretty well. <laughs> I do that pretty well. And what I'm saying is maybe that's our problem. And that's why we lose focus on what God has for us. John 5, as we wrap this up, reminds us of this, that Jesus was constantly being pulled in a lot of different directions and people speaking as far as who he should be and how he should act and what he should do. And the main thing that Jesus does say, no, I only, I only do what my father tells me to do. And I only mimic what I see him doing. What does that mean for us today? As we draw up close and personal with Jesus, do you believe that God has a purpose for you tomorrow? Do you believe that God has an agenda for you? It might seem like it's out of the limelight. It's out of the spotlight. It might seem like it's small, just like it was for Henry Nguyen, but realizing trust him because there's a big impact behind it. Are we seeing, are we hearing the voice of God and are we seeing the hand of God? and just keeping our singular focus on him. The worship team is going to come up right now. We're going to kind of contemplate on this. Singing about how good God is, who he is, and thinking about these questions this week. Do I, see, do I seek God's opinions about my worth and purpose over people's opinions? As far as how I should handle my time, my words, my money, my relationships? Do I know what he wants to say to me? And then is my life directed by God? That's the goal of going through John. That's the goal of getting into the word of God is that we see Jesus. And as we see Jesus, we see our lives more clearly about how to make decisions, how to set priorities, knowing that our value is firmly in him, seeking his glory, not the glory of others. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information or to get in contact with our pastoral staff, please go to go to accesschurch.com. 